This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Since 2015, Beth Watson, CEO and founder of Navigating Challenging Dialogue, has coached hundreds of entrepreneurs, C-suite professionals in Fortune 500s and nonprofit sector to have a meaningful, drama-free conversations. Clients have learned how to end miscommunication, mishaps, chaos, and costly conflicts. Beth, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Mark. I'm thrilled to be here. And I think this is a very timely uh, conversation with you because there may be a lot of stress going on in the world. It's, I think more now, May 18th, 2021, than May 18th, 2020, because now people are like, do we have to wear a mask? Don't we wear a mask? We're going back to work. Aren't we going back to work? Does the vaccine work? Does the vaccine work? There's so much conflict. There's the news. There's the politics. There's, and people are so on edge. And what I've tried to learn to do, and I hopefully you're going to address this in over the course of our conversation, is not like speak right away, but step back for a second, let the brain process what's happening and maybe take a breath. I think part of the problem is people are just, shooting off with the mouth, whether that's on Twitter or Facebook or in person, they're not stopping and thinking. Am, am I on target or am I off target on that? No, you're totally on target. I mean, we are essentially a fatigued, fatigued, fatigued group of folks um, worldwide, right? It's been the year of eternal disappointment, whether it's grieving someone you lost, whether it's grieving you know, that your kid didn't get to do high school graduation, like it doesn't matter. Right. It's been disappointment after disappointment. And we're we're deeply fatigued. And now here we are with a whole nother load of uncertainty. Are we going back to the office? Are we not going back to the office? Are are my kids gonna be okay? It's like it doesn't matter. The questions are eternal. And so we see something on social media that immediately taps into our vulnerability, whatever it is. Or our value system. That's another big thing you see people arguing over, right? Trying to protect what they value versus what they perceive someone else values. And so people are in words of typing over values. And so what I recommend clients do is just take a pause, sort of sit back. You know, you feel yourself literally physically go forward when you're kind of triggered in that way. Sit back, bring some oxygen into your system. Um, our saying is put grace in the space, take a pause, right? Just give yourself, maybe it's three seconds, maybe it's five minutes, maybe it's the rest of your life. Just <laughs> pause before you respond and determine what are the facts here? Is this a fact-based conversation or is this a whole bunch of assumptions? Mm -hmm. And there's no point fighting assumptions. There's no value in that, right? We you know, it's interesting. I just had a conversation the other day with somebody and I knew after about 30 seconds talking to this person, it was over Zoom, that they had radically different views than I did. And I'm like, you know what? Let's just let's just stop this conversation right now because I don't see this conversation getting better. So let's just stop. And he goes, yeah, that's a good point. And so we were smart enough to say, okay, we recognize that this is only get worse. And I wish more people would do that. Yes. The other tactic you can take is um, when you feel yourself getting in that place and you feel yourself wanting to be defensive or blaming or accusatory, go to curiosity. 
that gives you a pause in the conversation. So if I feel you getting elevated and what you're coming out with me, you know, towards me with, stop and pause and say, wow, that's fascinating. Tell me how you got to that decision or say more about that or or where have you seen an example of this or whatever just to break the cadence of the escalation for a minute and give the other person a chance to pause, reflect, think a little more deeply. And it brings it back down to a level where hopefully you can have congeniality. And if you can't, you can at least have a point where you can take a break and back away and get out, right? You can be thinking while they're explaining what your next step is. Yeah, I think one of the things we need to get better at, and one of the reasons why I think my podcast has gotten better is I became a better listener. When you become a better listener, you can fully understand what the person you're talking to is saying. What happens is they say a trigger word to you. They say a trigger word and you stop listening at that point of view and you're already formulating your response. Your blood pressure's going up. Your heart rate's going up. You're getting angry, but you haven't, they haven't finished talking yet. And I think we need to, like Judge Judy says, we have two ears and one mouth. We listen twice as much as we talk. Yes. We've been schooled. You know, this is our schooling to be the expert, to have an opinion, to say what's on our mind so that people know how smart we are. And it happens in business all the time. So the we've been conditioned to show our expertise versus to become the curious learner. And uh, you are far better off in life with your family and in business the more you can listen, because when you listen, you begin to um, learn and see things from a different perspective. So let me ask you about this, because I'm 55. I'll be 56 next month. And I, I, social media, I, you know, I was born before social media. Now social media is everywhere. Do you find that people are, how do I want to say this, are more on edge? because they can sit behind their computer screens and type on a keyboard or on their iPhone, whatever the case may be. Do you think it's easier to be angry with people, to be more confrontational when you are not face-to-face with them in person? I know it's easier for me. I mean, there are times I can't tell it. This is what I do for a living is teach people how to put grace in the space, how to respond with curiosity, all of that. And I can't tell you how many times I lean forward, type, 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 then stop, delete, 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 (laughs) right? And I either say, am I that invested in this conversation or is there a curious question that I can ask that will actually stimulate conversation? And sometimes I get hooked just like everybody. We have... I don't use the word trigger lightly because trigger is really associated with um, PTSD and other mental health issues that are very serious. But there's a thing that happens in our body, which is related to fight or flight, right? Your amygdala gets stimulated when you feel vulnerable or unsafe, and it causes you to either react by shutting down and getting away or by becoming really big to protect yourself and big in social media is posting something harsh. Mm -hmm. And so the key is to just say, Oh, wait a minute. 
this is happening to me. This is not how I want to show up. This is not helpful for the good of the whole. This is not the way I want to move forward and do what I do. Delete, 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 delete before I hit send on my post. I had a guy, I think it was a guy a couple months ago that commented on one of my LinkedIn posts and he basically said, you're wrong. You don't have a clue what you're, what you're saying. And I started to reply and then I stopped. I'm like, okay, what are the odds of me convincing this guy that I know what I'm talking about? So I just said, Hey, thank you for your time for chiming in on my post. I really appreciate it. Left it at that. He never replied to that. I don't know if he's trying to get under my skin, if he's trying to go for a confrontation, but I hadn't talked to you before that, but I knew enough to say, you know what? Am I really going to go down that rabbit hole and get this conversation going? Cause it could affect my brand, my reputation. It wasn't worth it. So I try not to get involved in the uh, controversy. I may read controversial posts, but I won't react to them. I won't comment on them because someone goes, Oh, Mark thinks that I didn't know he thought that I, well, I'm not going to hire Mark anymore. So I'm really protective of my brand and reputation. And I'd like you to speak on that because I don't think people stop and think about in that moment, that second where they send that tweet or they send that Facebook post, they don't stop and think that that may dent or destroy the reputations. Can you talk to us about that? Start actually following through on your to-do list now. I'll show you how to remove overwhelm from your life and blow through your list in no time. Learn how to get and stay focused. Become untangled from the chaos of your to-do list. Experience less overwhelm and have time to do what you really want to do. Find out more about my 12-step process to productivity program at mrproductivity.com. Well, that's a big topic right now um, because there are so many things that are going on in the world that are worthy of speaking out against, right? Um, and it depends on where you are in the issue and how it impacts you personally. So I know people who are very outspoken um, with, and that's part of their brand, right? There's things they aren't going to tolerate. There's things they aren't going to put up with. And, um, and if people don't agree with them on that, then they say, that's fine. Those aren't my clients. I don't want to work with those people anyway. Injustice, you know, some serious issues that are, that are out there in the world currently. Um, but you, you have, I think you have to make that decision. Is your voice part of your brand? And like everything in life, Whatever you do, there are consequences. There's positive consequences and negative consequences. And so it's a it's a very personal, but it needs to be a, a decision that's made with dis- discernment. What consequences am I willing to either enjoy or suffer based on this decision that I'm going to make right now? When my kids, my daughters are grown now, thank God they're in their, um, you know, in their mid thirties with families and, and everything. But when they were teenagers, I used to say, every time you make a decision, I want you to think about what the headline on the newspaper would look like. We lived in a really small town and everything got on the front page of the paper. Like even if your rooster got loose, it was on the front page of the paper. (laughs) So I want you to think this through to all the way to what will the headline on the newspaper look like? And do do I want to live with that or not? Do I want that in the public? And I think it's the same thing with what you put out on social media. That becomes your headline. And are are you willing 
for the consequences of that. It, it's it's as simple as thinking that out ahead. But like you said, people send stuff out, then they're in a mess. Um, people are so vulnerable and triggered right now, as you said, that they're willing to jump on anything. So you could say something that feels really benign to you in the moment. And all of a sudden, if you're a public person, you've got a hundred posts and all kinds of arguments and all kinds of stuff going on. So the the trail of that and the sharing trail of that is is huge. And not to mention that even if you delete the post or delete the tweet, this has happened before to numerous people, especially recently, people get a screenshot and they share your screenshot and it's completely out of your control. So what I post 99.99% of the time is about productivity, optimum performance, and I may also promote about my my daily run streak. But I stay clear of the controversy. If you are in my inner circle, no offense to my podcast listeners, you're not in my inner circle unless you're my friend. Because I know people in my inner circle, I can disagree with them, and I know we're going to have the respect and the love and the grace with each other. I've trusted those people for years and I just encourage everyone when you want to dive into controversy, go talk to your inner circle. I have some friends like I'm conservative. Okay. I have friends who are liberal, but we can have dignified, very, very, uh, what's where we're not professional, but very pleasant conversation with each other. We're not in each other's throats. We may disagree ideologically, but we trust each other enough to say they can tell me their thoughts. I can tell them my thoughts. But when you're out in the public world of social media or you're in the corporate environment, you don't know these people as well as you know the people in your inner circle. Right. So there's a difference between healthy conflict and unhealthy conflict. Healthy conflict is you and I can disagree on a topic. We can discuss it. Um, it might even look like unhealthy conflict when we're in the midst of having our discussion. It might even look like it. We might get heated. We might get passionate. We might be using a lot of, you know, hand signals. As you can tell, I do that all the time. Um, <laughs> and, and it might look like unhealthy conflict. The difference with unhealthy conflict is that in unhealthy conflict, things get personal. Connections get broken. Feelings get hurt. In healthy conflict, you're always looking towards gaining new understanding, getting a larger perspective than you had before, being curious about what the other person thinks and feels. In unhealthy conflict, you're trying to win. You're trying to win the day. And so that's the difference. And a lot of people don't understand in business and in personal life, that you can have healthy conflict. I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. My mother and father started a business from scratch and it became successful beyond their hopes and dreams. It was a family business. It wasn't huge, but they lived it, ate it, drank it, slept it. And in the evening, sometimes they would have conflict over decisions like you can't imagine. But then I would turn around and look and my mother would be doing the dishes and my father would be standing there hugging her and talking to her while she was doing the dishes, you know, five minutes after the conflict ended. So I grew up with a comfort level for productive, healthy conflict that I'm realizing a lot of people don't have that orientation for them. Conflict, no matter 
how people engage in it means someone's going to be ripping the suitcase down out of the closet and storming out the door any minute. That wasn't my experience with conflict. That what you just said was, was gold because when you bring the personal element into it and you start attacking the other person, first of all, their defenses are going to go up and it's never, it's just going to take off like a rocket. And I, I, I love your, what you said, grace in the space. And if the other person is not willing to insert grace, then you need to do it. You need to say, okay, hang on. I need to go out and take a walk around the block. I need to go out and get some fresh air. You be the person because one of you has got to do it. If they're not going to do it, then there's only one person left. Or if you're in a group of people and they're all fighting, well, first of all, it's a very toxic environment. Everyone's spewing their hatred and anger and they're personally attacking people. I don't ever see anything good coming out of that. And I think, like you say, we have to put grace in that space and say, look, it, let's all go take a break because it's getting too heated. And then when it gets so heated, you get past a certain point. You're not even listening anymore. No. You're just shooting your mouth off. Yeah. Another strategy, if it's not quite to that point, is to be the person who anchors the conversation back to the facts. Mm. So get really clear what the facts are, whether the facts are. Um, so my brother and I are, we have very different um, opinions on politics, but I love him. We have a shared history. I know we value the same things. I know we both want the same things for our kids and our grandkids. I know we do. I know that. And so um, if you can remember what other facts the facts are, we're siblings. We have a long history. I love you. In the end, we both want the same things. What this disagreement is about is who we're going to pick for president. It's not about whether he's a good person or I'm a good person, whether I love him, whether he loves me. So if you can discern in a business conversation, it's the same thing. If you can be the person who can hold the facts, you know what? I hear this is getting really heated, but what we're arguing about is how the budget gets allocated between the two departments. Mm. The fact is we need to have a decision by Friday on how we're going to do this. Let's take a breath and go back to the facts of this conversation. You remember the show back in the seventies, Dragnet, just the facts, ma'am. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just the facts, ma'am. Yep. It's, it's amazing that. because you're right. People are going to hear the discussion and they're talking about the budget and they're like, you know what? You know, you had to buy a Prius and I told you not to buy a Prius. And you're like, wait, what? Wait, hold on. Hold on a second. We're talking about the budget. You're talking about my car. And it's like, because right. what happens is we start spinning off. And I love how you said that we have to get back to the facts. If we're talking about the budget, let's stick to the budget. Let's not talk about Susie comes in late or John always wears the same tie. Who cares? That has nothing to do with the conversation. And I could, I could see it because I've seen it happen in my career. Stuff like that spins out of control like the Tasmanian devil. Do you remember the Tasmanian devil for the cartoon? I do. Yeah, I do. Yep. <laughs> yeah. We're in the same TV genre for sure. Okay. Generation. Yep. Yes. And that's what happens. So, so many times when I get brought in to do leadership coaching or co helping an organization work on their culture or whatever the case is, dealing with tough conflict, when I get in and do some observation, what I see every single time is 
the arguments, the reasons people aren't getting on and the miscommunication is because they have strayed from the facts and they're into assumptions and unspoken expectations. Unspoken expectations is another place where things go bad. So I don't say that I expect you to do X, Y, and Z, or I expect you to spend your budget in this way or whatever the case is. I don't say that out loud because I assume that you can see my thought bubble. I assume we all have the same thought bubble, (laughs) right? And so then I get upset with you because you're not doing what I'm thinking in my head you should do. And I never communicated that to you. So we had no agreement. 90% of the problem why reasons people can't hold people accountable is because there was no discussion and agreement on what they're accountable for. Ah. So we didn't have that first discussion for me to go, Mark, are you in agreement with this? And for you to say, no, I don't agree with this piece. Then we get to have a discussion. Why? What's your hesitancy around this piece? And if if the hierarchy is that I get to say, then I could say, thank you for that. I hear you. However, we're still doing it this way. Or I might learn something. Like, we can't do it that way because accounting's never going to get me the reports that I need by the 12th of the month. And so you want this report back by the 15th of the month. I can't, I can't because they don't run the report. And I could be like, I had no idea of that. Thank you. Mm. Right. So, so those are the reasons why we get into conflict. We stray from the facts. We operate under assumptions and we operate under unspoken expectations. And that just creates mayhem. I get it. You want productivity tips, but your email inbox is, well, out of control. When you follow Mr. Productivity on Telegram Messenger, you'll receive daily bite-sized productivity tips delivered to your phone or desktop for free. Let me help you become more productive, step-by-step, day-by-day. Follow Mr. Productivity on Telegram today. It does, and as I think back to all the leaders I've had in my, my career, the ones who were the best always gave clear expectations. They would tell you A, B, and C. Do you understand? Yes. Now there's no, I don't know what he meant because he gave, he told me the expectations were, and he asked me if I understood. Yeah. Now, some companies I work for, which I think is, this is really stupid in my opinion. And I could say that now because I don't work for them anymore. They would tell you the expectations. They would say you have any questions and then say, okay, sign this piece of paper saying you recognize. I'm like, okay, so you don't trust me now. I think that's going too far. If you're dealing with adults, them saying, I got it. This is what you said. You said ABC. Great. You don't need to print up a piece of paper and have them read it and sign it, and put it in their personnel file. I hate companies that do that because that tells me you don't trust your employees. So I can tell you the leaders in my life who didn't do that, who just assumed I knew there was always conflict. The ones that were clear, very minimal conflict. So you're spot on that. Yeah. There has to be room for, there has to be room for the conversation also of, um, do you understand the expectations? Yes, I do. What will your strategy be if you run into a place where you don't understand or you don't know what your next step is or you run into a challenge? What will your strategy be then? I'll email you. I'll give you a phone call and give you a heads up. 
we we can agree to expectations all day long, but then things, particularly in this world, we're on this trajectory <laughs> where what was true at nine in the morning might not be true at nine twenty. Yep. And so um, we need to be able to ha- understand how do I be agile? How do I get more information when I need it? It's not, do you understand? Yes, I do. And then the door is closed. That's not going to be a successful project. Mm-mm. I remember when I was growing up, I, I thought I was being slick. So my mom used to binge cook chocolate chip cookies right and then we had this old freezer down in the basement and she would put them in the freezer and i would sneak down there and i'd take a couple out of this bag and a couple out of this bag but after about four or five days the bags don't look as big as when mom put them down there and she'd go mark because i was the only child mark did you take the cookies i'm like oh uh, no who else took them it wasn't mom or dad it was me another thing i used to do my parents had this bar down in their basement and my parents used to buy six packs of pepsi and they'd buy four six packs at a time and they'd put the four together so it looks like a cube. And I would eat the inside, not eat, I would drink the inside bottles of Pepsi. Well, after a while, I still want Pepsi, but there's no more inside. So I'd eat the one, I'd drink the ones from the back. I would always get caught because my parents knew that I was alone in the house. I'd come home at 3.30. My parents would get home from work till 5.30, 6 o'clock. What can I do? Blame the dog? But the point is, I wouldn't just go to my parents because I was a teenager and I knew better than my parents. I said, you know, I, I made a I, I made a mistake. I, I I took the Pepsi. I hate the Coke. And I think people do this, or the cookies I meant. People do this in the corporate world. Instead of going to their boss or the other party and say, look it, I promised it by 5 p.m. on the 12th, I'm not going to make it. What they do is they ignore the texts. They ignore the phone calls. They ignore the emails. And eventually this person is going to hunt you down physically. And you're still going to have to, you're still going to have to answer for it. So you're better off saying, look at, I dropped the ball on this. You're still going to have an unhappy person, but at least now they know preferably before the deadline. See, and I blame that on the leadership because you have to create an environment where people can speak their truth without fear of repercussion. And in repercussion might be that you're not pleased, you're unhappy, that might be it. But what happens in so many work environments is the repercussions are things like you don't get another good project, you don't get recommended for the promotion, you get shut out of the meeting. Or what I've seen so many times is leaders who can't manage their own emotional reactions and emotional behaviors. So instead what they do, I worked, I was consulted for three years in one environment. I really, I felt like a leader babysitter, which is what I was hired to do to keep them from getting sued because they perceived her as too valuable to get rid of. And the whole staff had, I, it took me a month to figure out what was going on. I was there every Wednesday and the, um, somebody would walk in the door and they'd say, what's the weather today? And somebody would go, oh, it looks like the wind's going to kick up. I think, you know, you might you might need an umbrella today or whatever. And I'd be, I finally said, what is it with all this weather talk? And they said, this is our code for what mood the leader's in. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, okay, this is a problem. If you are so bad at your emotional self-regulation, 
that that your team has to create workarounds just to be able to know when they can come to you with problems or when they can come and share good news with you, then you are creating an environment where people are going to hide stuff, where people are going to be secretive and you're going to get blindsided a lot. And you know, so leaders need to understand emotional self-regulation. They need to understand clear communication. They need to understand accountability and how to set boundaries and how to empower their people to use their strengths and genius and talents. Those are the things that leaders need to know. History tells us that Adolf Hitler didn't want to hear bad news. So even if they were losing a battle and one of the fronts, they know if you went and told Adolf, hey, we're losing this battle, he would kill that person. So it didn't take long for people to go, I'm not going to tell him the bad news. Hey, Adolf, everything's going fine. Because then in the same thing with the leadership, if they feel threatened, they're not going to tell you the truth. They're going to tell you what you want to hear. And that causes the company to go off the rails. So yes, uh, yes. Incredible. Beth, I want to tell you, we talked about so much on the show today. I mean, this is one of those episodes people need to go back in the beginning and listen to again and maybe share with their coworkers because you gave us so much gold. But let me ask you this. Where can people go to find out more about you and what you're doing in their world? So my website is NCD, Navigating Challenging Dialogue, ncdsolution.com. And we have a wealth of information on there. We have a free whole video series for managers on, on managing remotely that anybody can take advantage of. You can also find me on LinkedIn, Beth Wanson on LinkedIn. Um, but yeah, I'd love to hear from people and um, find out what's going on in their world also. Well, Beth, I want to thank you for being on the show. I learned a lot. I know my audience does as well. So thank you for your time. Thank you, Mark. It's great to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski podcast. I really hope it served you well today. Now head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com. Sign up to be a free Mark Stuchowski insider. Get my top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs. Absolutely free. It's my gift to you. And until tomorrow, my friend, go be productive.